Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I am your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we're going to dig into it a little bit, and I'm going to bring you a whole bunch of really good value. All right, so what are the latest updates in real estate and mortgage? Um, you know, it's been a, a crazy year that we've had with COVID and how it's affected the secondary markets in the mortgage industry. And ultimately, what it did is it created record low interest rates. So, you know, over the past year, we've had um, a really huge spike in refinances in an overwhelming amount of home buyers trying to get into the market and take advantage of these low rates because with a lower interest rate, you can afford more home. And um, obviously, you pay less in interest over time. So we've seen a massive, massive influx of people. And um, it's made, um, it's created actually its own problem on the home buying side. It's created um, a seller's market because there's not enough inventory to supply all these people who want to buy a house. So really, it's it's changed the dynamic. And every, every um, cycle... Um, hits at different times, right? And, you know, before COVID, we were in more of a buyer's market, meaning, you know, at that time, a buyer could wheel and deal and negotiate a little bit more. And now that shifted into a seller's market where the buyer really doesn't have any leverage for negotiation. It's really all in the seller's hands because, you know, they're seeing offers come through, you know, 15, 20, 30 offers on one house. So really they have the, they can pick the cream of the crop, whoever's offering the most money, the easiest terms and stuff like that. And um, it's really put the sellers in the driver's seat. So we, we've been battling this, this challenge all year long of, you know, this low inventory. How are we getting offers accepted? And, uh, you know, I've been working really close with some of my realtor partners on just different tactics and strategies of how we're helping our buyers get things across the finish line. And, and we've come up with some really cool stuff and it's been working. Um, you know, one of the things that I do, which is unique, you know, most lenders, most lenders after they pre-approve you, just kind of kick back, hope that an email pops through saying, hey, we've got a house under contract, let's roll. Um, and that's, you know, the lion's share of lenders. That's what they do. So I've taken a little more hands-on approach and I have the real estate agent, the buyer's agent, when they're submitting your offer, um, copy me on it. And I do this crazy, crazy thing afterwards. I pick up the phone and I just call. I call that listing agent and I just talk to him. Like, here's everything we've done to get you pre-approved. You know, if, if I if I can tell or sense that they have some fears about, you know, the loan type, like a VA loan or something, then we overcome that. Uh, explain to them, you know, what my process is, what my communication protocol is going to be like during escrow. And most lenders don't have a protocol. Uh, and just really sell our package, right? I'm selling the buyer's agent who's someone who's really competent, knows what they're doing with military buyers. I'm really competent and really good at doing the VA loan. And this borrower is really, really strong. And the, the offer amount is strong and so on and so forth. And we're really putting the sales pitch on this listing agent so that the, when they're looking at an uh, influx of emails in their inbox, it's all these emails with an offer and they've got a bunch of PDF attachments. If no one's making these phone calls, they're really just creating a spreadsheet and going, okay, who's the top dollar amount? And that's basically it. And we all know that there's more to it than that, right? And we want that home for you guys, for our clients. So, um, my realtors and I, we really kind of go above and beyond to really sell that. And, um, you know, I found that there's also a lot of real estate agents out there 
who just kind of send the offer over and just wait. And really, that's a missed opportunity, right? So I've been really coaching clients on how to pick the right real estate agent, what the real estate agent needs to be doing, what I'm doing to help get those offers accepted. And it's helped a lot. One of my um, top uh, real estate agents that I work with up in Northern California, Navy veteran, um, you know, we were working with a client earlier this year and he went to go buy a home in Northern California. There were 75 offers on this home. It was an absurd amount of offers. Um, but through this combined effort, right, of, of him selling us as a package and selling the listing agent on why they should be taking our offer, we got selected out of 75 offers with a VA loan. And that seems really, really crazy in today's market, but it's not if you've got the right team assembled and you've put together that strategy. Um, so it's, it's critical you know, that the lender and the realtor are talking, you know, more than just two minutes before you go make an offer. Um, they really need to be spending some time together and, and doing the strategy session. The other thing that I found um, interesting with, uh, you know, real estate and mortgage this year is, you know, a lot of real estate agents still are unaware of the fact that the VA removed the county loan limits in January of 2020. So a year and a half ago, they removed the county loan limits. And there's a ton of real estate agents out there who have no idea this even happened. And I've run across, you know, on, on many offers that I'm representing the financing on, I'm talking to that listing agent and they're scratching their head going, yeah, but isn't the loan limit such and such? And we get into that conversation. They had no idea. So a lot of people are just out of touch and they don't know what's happening and they don't have their finger on the pulse of, you know, what's happening with VA loans and so forth. Uh, the other thing that, that happened this, this year or this within the last year because of COVID, when we saw um, this secondary market, which is where like all the, the basically the mortgages are traded as a, as a security on Wall Street. And so that's the secondary market. And what we saw was kind of a lot of fear. Everyone at the beginning, right when all COVID thing happened, it was kind of um, resembled 2008 from the mortgage side of things for about a week. <laughs> and we were all panicking that, you know, everything was going away. Um, but one thing that it did is it pulled out a couple of some of, not a couple, it pulled out a lot of the fringe products. So at the time, almost all jumbo loans died. Um, a lot of the non-QM stuff went away and the other kind of, you know, uh, VA renovation and the VA construction loans, those went away. Now, all of that stuff is pretty much back. Um, some of it's not back in full force like it was, you know, especially on the jumbo loan side, it's not all the way back in full force like it was pre-COVID, but it's getting close. So we saw like this crazy contraction and now things are finally loosening back up again and getting more to a normalized state as far as lending is concerned. Um, and, you know, um, for all the lenders out there, when this happened, we just got flooded with refinances and just so much business that, I mean, I know myself, I was working until one or two in the morning every single day. And um, there just wasn't enough hours in the day to, to work on everything. And every mortgage company was experiencing that. Every bank, I mean, everyone was like that. So, you know, you'd see people submit an application for a refinance, you know, last, early last summer, and it was taking three, four months to get that thing closed. And it wasn't always necessarily because that lending institution wasn't good. It was just because they had a tidal wave of people that wanted a loan. And there's only so many humans on the other side to work it. And um, so we experienced this real big bottleneck. And, uh, but that's all been worked through now. So, with the exception of a couple of kind of the bad actors, especially in the military space, um, credit unions and insurance companies that, that do mortgage lending, um, everyone's back to normal. So things are moving really, really quick. Um, you know, we're closing stuff in 20 days or less now with VA loans. Things are moving really well. Um, one thing is, you know, appraisers got real busy. 
because appraisers appraise homes for both home purchases and they appraise homes for refinance transactions. So those those people, there's um, a lot fewer of them than there are lenders and real estate agents. So those guys are really, really busy. And um, the uh, some of the real estate sector has been a little slow to um, accept that they're busy and they're, you know, independent business owners and um, really trying to push, you know, timeframes and things like that on, on the appraisal situation when really it's out of our control. But, you know, we're working through that. Um, there was a period of time where we were seeing a lot of homes not appraised for the purchase price. That has started to calm down now that there are more comparable sales. You know, um, at the beginning of the seller's market, people are coming in offering way over what the asking price was. And so when the appraiser is putting together his report, they're not seeing any comparable sales that support that value. So they're appraising it for a lower amount and it's creating issues. Um, but now that there's been so many sales in the last year, there are more comps. So we've been seeing less and less um, appraisals that are coming in low um, or below the purchase price. So really hasn't been an issue as of lately. Um, one thing that's been super exciting uh, in my business has been the multifamily, um, you know, the duplexes, triplexes, four units. Um, I think if you have access to the VA loan, especially if you're active duty and you don't have like family needs, and I mean like you don't need like a big house for children and stuff like that. Maybe you're single or just a young couple that doesn't have children yet. I think the multifamily route is probably the smartest way to leverage your VA loan and, and look at creating a wealth plan for yourself. Um, you know, there's, there's basically five ways that people get wealthy in this country. Um, you inherit it, you marry into it, you win the lottery, you build a business and sell it, or you generate it through real estate. And all of us, especially active duty, have the generating it through real estate right at our fingertips with the VA loan. And it's the absolute best way to start it. And I think, you know, especially if you're getting PCS to an expensive market, you know, like Southern California is a perfect example or Northern California for that matter. Um, but anywhere where the prices are really high, you can go in and buy a multifamily home and have zero down. And this wasn't so common a couple of years ago with the VA loan with people buying multi-units because they had those county loan limits and then you'd have a down payment to consider and it's just the dollars got too big for you know the average active duty military person to really jump into multifamily. But now, since January 2020, when they removed those county loan limits, now you can get into zero down multifamily purchases and we can help you qualify by utilizing the rent from those other units to beef up your qualifications. So, you know, we've been helping guys and gals buy 1.2, 1.5, two million dollar um, multifamily four unit homes with zero down payment. And the math on it is ridiculously good. Um, in some instances, we helped we helped a, an, an Army E5 up in the Sacramento area near Edwards Air Force Base, um, bought a $900,000 four unit. And in this wild seller's market, negotiated the seller to pay all the closing costs, which is extremely rare um, in today's market. And the rent from the other three units completely covers his mortgage. So he gets to live there basically housing payment free but he's getting his BAH every month, which I think in that area for him is like 2,800 a month. So he's able to save and pocket 2,800 a month. And he'll probably be there three to five years. And if he's diligent about saving that, he's gonna have a nice stack of cash by the next time he has to PCS. And if his family demands don't require um, a single family home the next time he moves, then he could look at another multifamily home in the next place that he gets stationed, or maybe buy the single family home and he'll be in a position where he can use a different loan program and put a little bit of down payment money because he's been set up so well. And then you and then 
when he moves out of that four unit, his unit now gets rented and he's looking at a positive cash flow of over $1,000 a month. And you know, a lot of people talk about building wealth through real estate and you buy a home, rent it out, buy a home, rent it out. And that's not a bad plan at all. But with single family homes, you're looking at small dollars, right? You're, you're hoping to break even on the mortgage. Maybe you pocket a couple hundred dollars. With multifamily, you know, once you move out of that unit, you know, your, your positive cash flow usually has a comma in it, which is a big difference. On top of the fact, you bought this big expensive asset, right? So it's just when you multiply appreciation percentage times a bigger base dollar amount, your profit dollars are bigger, right? So I use the analogy all the time. You know, if you're going to take a hundred bucks and invest it in the stock market, or you're going to take a million bucks and invest it in the stock market, invest it in the exact same things in 20 years, which one is going to have more value in dollars? Well, of course, the one where you invested a million instead of a hundred, right? The dollars are just bigger. And the same thing in real estate, you can go buy a $300,000 home and it'll appreciate, you know, average six to 7% a year, or you can go buy a million and a half dollar one that's going to appreciate at the same level. Even if it appreciates lower, your dollars are much bigger at the end of it. So this has been uh, one of my favorite things to talk about um, with a lot of active duty because they're moving in these expensive markets and housing prices, you know, are kind of sticker shock anyway, especially if you're moving or you grew up in like middle America, you see homes out here and it's like your chin hits the floor. Oh my gosh, they're so expensive. And it's even more sticker shock when I start talking about multifamily. But when you look at the math on it and how much sense it makes from a future real estate investing mindset, I mean, after your first four unit or three unit, you've got three or four rental doors under your belt. And now you're moving on to the next one. And, and if you do this over, say, a 20-year military career, you picked up four or five houses, and they may not all be multifamily homes, but over a 20-year career, that first one has now got 20 years of payments on. So you got a ton of equity in it, and that gives you so much flexibility and so many options. You know, you retire from the military, you know, you're getting your, your military retirement, your disability pay, plus you're getting cash flow from probably three homes. You've got to live in one, but you probably got three homes that are providing you some level of cash flow, and that first one is going to be paid down really heavily. And for a lot of people that were, you know, got in right out of college or enlisted, you know, what if you do 20 years, you still have enough time to go do a second career. You know, you go get a government job or some contractor job or something like that, making great money. Plus, you got all this, and you've been pitching into your TSP all those years. Now, the new company you're throwing into your 401k. I mean, by the time you finally like retire, retire from career number two, you've got the military retirement, you got TSP. You got retirement from the second job. There's three different um, channels of retirement money coming in already, plus the cash flow on all these rentals. And now you've got a lot of options because if you completed that second career, you've got a couple of these homes paid off free and clear. So it's the, the cash flow profit is really huge and you got a, a mountain of equity. And that gives you options. You can now sell them, go buy an apartment building, or you can sell them and invest it in your stock portfolio or, or whatever. I mean, there's so much there, but you're looking at, you know, retiring um, with millions at your fingertips rather than maybe a couple hundred grand because you pitched into your 401k or your TSP for a lot of years, you know? Um, so it's just such a dynamic shift and makes so much sense that we're having a lot of conversations around that lately. And, you know, we've been setting up people really, really well for their long-term future. And it's, it's probably the most gratifying and the most fun thing to be able to do because there's not a lot of people talking about it. There's not a lot of people who understand it. And the real estate agents are still trying to catch on. You know, we come at them with a VA offer at a million and a half with zero down, the listing agent's scratching his head going, huh, this doesn't make any sense to me. And then once you explain it all to him, I had one um, a month ago that we just closed. And when I talked to that listing agent at the time of offer, he told me that he was going to throw that offer away because it was a VA 
And he was like, they have loan limits, they have all this stuff. There's no way that this can be done. And after I finished explaining how it will work and yes, it's possible and all that stuff, he was like, Jason, you know, this is probably the coolest loan program I've ever heard of. And he's like, I had no idea that you could use it for like this multifamily purchase. And he's like, this is amazing. He goes, I wish I served now to have access to this loan program. That's how great it is. And you talk about like return on investment and you know, a lot of those return on investment calculations um, are dealing with how much down payment did you put into the home versus, you know, your return on it after X amount of years, right? Well, if you put zero down, what's the return on that? It's a hundred percent, right? It's a hundred percent return when you're putting zero down payment. Um, so it's just remarkable. And that particular transaction, he actually called the, the buyer's agent the next day and said, Hey, because of that phone conversation with Jason, your lender, we're taking your offer. Um, so it was awesome. We closed on it and you know, he's, he's super pumped Four unit in Long Beach is like a million and a half. It was really, really, the numbers look awesome on it too. Um, so we've been, we helping a lot of people that that's probably one of the most exciting things, you know, recently, um, Fannie Mae just released a product called refi now. And I did a tactical Tuesday on this, um, not too long ago, a week or two ago. And this program really is to kind of help those that got impacted by the whole COVID-19 thing from an, an economic standpoint. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, got their jobs lost or hours cut or something like that. So, um, or maybe one spouse lost a job, the other spouse was able to keep their job. So you have, you know, you know, some pain points there. And so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out with the same version, um, where you can refinance and they basically just loosened up the terms. So any of, any of you who are familiar with mortgages, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those are conventional loans. So in conventional loans, it's like, here's the box. Do you fit in it? Well, now they expanded the box basically said, okay, we understand that some things happen. So they're allowing these refinances with really high debt to income ratios. Um, a lot of times waiving the appraisal. Um, so basically just making it easier for people to qualify and jump down into these lower interest rates where we're still at, at not quite as low as we were last summer, but we're, we're pretty close. Um, so interest rates are still super, super low. So they're giving them an opportunity to just improve their financial position, even though, you know, the, the economy may have like knocked them around a little bit. So what's been my biggest takeaway um, from hosting the podcast and learning about it? You know, I've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now. Um, a, it's been a lot of fun. And I think, you know, ultimately, if you're going to do anything, you've got to enjoy it, right? Whether it's work or, you know, you know, this parlays into my work. But um, I've been really enjoying it. The, the part that I like the most about it is just meeting these really cool veterans and just learning about them and their stories. And everyone has such a cool past and a cool background and doing different stuff. But they all have like that, that similar core value of, you know, they really care about their other military brothers and sisters. And it is really a fraternity or a brotherhood, so to speak. Um, and so that's been um, a really, really cool part of it. It's been a lot of fun. You know, being on the media side of things, I've, I've always kind of teetered and, and played with doing video stuff in my mortgage business. Um, but this has really helped me kind of expand that in a couple of ways. Um, first is just, you know, getting out there, meeting more people, being more connected into the military, um, world and, um, and really just sharing other people's stories, um, that maybe aren't getting told. And, you know, it's obviously helped with some brand exposure for my mortgage business as well. Um, but I think more importantly, what it's done is it's made me comfortable in front of the camera. Um, when I very first started doing my tactical Tuesday series a couple of years ago, which is a, uh, educational series I do on primarily VA loans, but now it's kind of expanded into other mortgage stuff. 
Um, you know, I was always super nervous. I can I can look at my old videos. I can see that I'm sweating in it, and uh, I can see where I'm stuttering and stumbling, and you know, I, I can visibly see that I'm nervous and shaking. And so, one of the be- biggest benefits of this is, you know, I'm in front of the camera all the time now, so it's it's not a big deal. It's not a scary thing. It doesn't make me nervous anymore. And um, you know, I I talk to a lot of people both in my industry and other industries who are like, yeah, I need to do some more video things and this and that, but I'm, I'm so nervous and all that stuff. Um, just do it. Just start. Um, everyone starts somewhere and your first ones, they're probably going to suck. You know, just, just accept that they're probably not going to be awesome. And that's okay. You know I mean? It just, it gets easier the more you do, you know, it's, uh, I liken it to like working out at the gym, right? Like you go to the gym for the first time and you haven't been in years like the next couple of days, you're going to be super duper sore. It's going to hurt. Um, and then you go back and you're still probably going to be sore for a couple of days. But then after you've done it for a week and now you're into week two, and if you're having some consistency, all of a sudden you're not quite as sore anymore. And you're actually feeling good about it. And you just keep doing it and keep doing it. And the more you keep doing it, the better you feel. Now you're starting to see the results and stuff like that. So there's, it really is a, a, a parallel there with doing the video stuff. And, um, you know, being in media has been kind of fun um, because there's it's opening some doors, some, some different things. We got some cool stuff planned. You know, hopefully um, get to participate in in some neat stuff with uh, some fighter jets soon, and maybe Top Gun. We'll see. Um, so it could open some doors to some really really fun, exciting stuff. But I've got to meet some cool people, some big name people, um, work for big name companies, and um, that's been super super rewarding. So advice for people still in the military. Um, you know, if I had it to do all over again, I probably would have done the full 20. And I know for a lot of people that may not be a desire of theirs, right? Some people, you know, they get in, maybe they hate their job in the military, they get assigned or you get deployed too much, which I, I get. Um, being away from family is hard, especially if you're you know, being thrown in the war zone. Um, I understand that too. Um, but if I had it to do over again, I'd stay all 20. And the reason I, I say that is knowing what I know now with access to like the VA loan and being able to create wealth and being PCS'd all the time and, you know, having that BAH. And then when you get out, you got the retirement, you got the disability pay, um, and all the other benefits that come from serving in the military. On top of that, there's, there's so much great that can come from it. So much good experience, um, the leadership qualities and things that you'll learn project management skills. I mean, you know, 20 year career in the military, you get in as a youngster, you know, you're in your 40s when you get out. You got a whole nother 15 to 20 years where you're capable of working and could work and probably get a really killer job. And all the meanwhile, you know, like I, I talk about all the time with, with my clients is buy real estate. Every time you PCS, buy real estate, buy real estate. That's how you create wealth. So you could really pin on two retirements. Um, but for those of you where, hey, 20 years is just not in the cards. It's not my deal. It's not my thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, the fact that you raise your right hand and sort of defend this country for whatever it is, a three-year, four-year enlistment and you're done, um, is just as honorable and credible as anyone that served 20 plus, you know, um, it doesn't, doesn't change that one iota. Um, so, you know, for those that are looking to get out, I would say before you check out, um, check in with yourself, right? You need to, you need to figure out what it is that really drives you and motivates you. Um, what is it that you want to do? I think, a lot of people get caught up in the fact that like, well, I'm just going to get out and get a job. What kind of job are you going to get? 
do you have a job lined up when you get out? Because here's the thing about about most folks who get in the military. Most folks go into the military right out of high school, right? So you're a kid, you grow up with mom and dad, go through school, boom, you're in the military. The military pays you um, every month to get your paycheck. The military clothes you, the military feeds you, the military houses you. Like you really don't have a whole lot of your own responsibility to take care of. And, um, and then just to jump out and expect that there's gonna be some job somewhere waiting for you um, is a fool's errand. So you got to have a plan, right? And I think if you pay attention to what we get taught in the military, it's always to be prepared and have a plan and then execute on that plan. So um, if you're getting out, have a plan of some sort. If you're going to go be an entrepreneur, that's awesome. Be an entrepreneur, but figure out what your where your passion lies in being an entrepreneur. You know, if you want to go open up a t-shirt company, then... Be passionate about fashion or be passionate about what the messaging is going to be on that T-shirt, not just I'm opening a T-shirt company because everyone wears T-shirts, right? Um, so there's got to be a little bit more drive, a little more passion behind it because when you when you find that that passion and you can, you can build a business around it, you'll have way more success and it won't feel so much like work because you enjoy what you do, right? It's different than having that job that you just landed because you got out and your manager is a jerk. And the hours stink and you're not getting paid enough and you know you go through all that stuff um and i'm not saying that getting a job right out of the military is the wrong way to go either um but you need to have a plan what is it that you want to do what are you skilled to do what what's been on your heart what are you desiring um there's got to be some sort of plan you can't just wing it and i think that's where we see a lot of people get into to trouble is they they get frustrated for whatever reason with what's happening in their their military career so they they get out when they can and there's no plan, right? And so now they end up in, in hot water, right? That's when you end up screwing up your credit, getting into debt, who knows, maybe some other things that aren't good. And it can really jack up your life and take you down a, a negative channel. Um, whereas just putting some thought into it and having a plan of action um, can totally change the, the trajectory of your life and be really, really worth your while. So my vision for me and you know my company and the VA Loan Guy brand, um, I've got a lot of ideas, a lot of things. So um, first and foremost, you know the mortgage company that um, I have is called American Mortgage Network, and I'm an owner of this company. It's it's one of three mortgage companies in the U.S. that is an employee-owned company. However, it's the only one in the U.S. that's a hundred percent employee-owned. So when the CFO and the CEO basically created the company, they donated all their shares back in. That's unheard of. Like every mortgage company that exists out there, the top dogs, they might, if they did create some sort of ownership, they're keeping 51% at least. And then the employees can own whatever. I think there's, I think Fairway, one of those guys, like they have an employee ownership program, but it's up to like 3% of the total company. So it's nothing. It's peanuts. Like it's not even worth talking about, right? And there's some other companies who have... A bigger slice than that, but still, it doesn't it doesn't work all the way, right? This is a hundred percent employee owned. So, you know, on the mortgage side, it's kind of twofold, which is to help grow the company, right, and create our our value and our worth. I think we're building something super unique, really really cool. Um, you know, we're structured um, as an ESOP, which is stands for Employee Stock Owned Plan, and you know, that's basically our, our corporate shell, right? Rather than being an LLC or a corp or an S corp or whatever, we're an ESOP. And that has all sorts of cool benefits for the company, right? Because it technically is a retirement plan. 
think of it like a, it's a 401k that you, will, you know, is the legal entity. Um, but they've got state and federal tax exemptions for that. So, you know, the profitability for the company is awesome. We're using the profit from the company. We're buying real estate with it. All of us owners in the company are also owners in the real estate. So we're doing some really, really unique stuff that no other mortgage company is doing. You know, most of these other mortgage companies, the guys at the top are living off all the profits of the company. They got their hands on the dials. They're controlling everything. And, you know, if there's ever a transaction, like they sell the company, those guys at the top, you know, are the ones getting the seven-figure checks, not the guys at the bottom that are the ones hustling and doing the loans. So, um, you know, this kind of flipped the script and turned the tables on, on the whole process. So, yeah, maybe one day we build it big and a larger mortgage company says, hey, you guys are shaking things up too much. We're going to buy you out. And if we all as owners vote on it and say, hey, buy us out, then, you know, hopefully that's part of our big retirement plan, right? And that's that's really the goal is, is creating a retirement. Most most loan officers don't have one even planned. They're just going to work until, you know, their hands fall off. Um, with VA Loan Guy, um, my brand with VA Loan Guy, my my personal objective is, is to be, you know, one of the top referred VA lenders nationwide you know i'm in the san diego market right now and so you know you got you got to start off where you are before you can you know get that big um but ultimately it's you know really creating a strong brand presence here in the san diego community um and then kind of growing that up through the state of california and then beyond right and um we're doing a, we're doing a good job um you know obviously like any entrepreneur i'd love to see it grow faster um but sometimes you know that speed isn't sustainable or um or workable so we're at a good place right now but still continuing to grow um and just you know helping more veterans helping more real estate agents really sell um the va loan and help out more military right there's um there's short supply of that you know good agents who do the right thing with the military and understand the va loan um so you know that's that's really my focus is to continue to grow it be a really big brand presence here locally in the san diego market and just grow that and, and head north up the state and continue to grow that. And the other piece that kind of dovetails into that, which is part of my greater vision, is um, the Armed and Ready Foundation. So um, it's a nonprofit, which I've started. We're still kind of in the paperwork phase of things, so it's it's not live at this point. But my vision for the Armed and Ready Foundation is to provide um, financial education to the military. And not just on mortgages and real estate, although that is a component of it, right? Which, you know, I would be part in, in teaching on that, um, but really is to bring in all aspects of finance. And kind of depending on, on rank, we break it up. Um, you know, someone who's an E3 probably doesn't need to sit down with a financial advisor and learn about, you know, life planning at that phase in their life. But by the time they're like an E5, E6, maybe they do, right? So, um, you know, it'd be geared probably towards um, your phase in life and your career, but ultimately, you know, bringing, you know, veterans in that are local, um, that are bankers to talk about banking, saving, how to balance a checkbook, how to, how to manage your finances. That's just the very elementary level, right? I mean, it sounds kind of silly to have to bring that education in uh, when you're talking about, you know, the greatest military in the world. But here's the thing. Um, for all of us that have been in the military, military doesn't spend two seconds teaching you how to balance your checkbook, how to deal with your credit. They don't, and that's not their goal. That's not the military's mission or their purpose. So it makes sense that they don't spend time doing that. But our public school systems don't spend time on it either. So... You know, I have witnessed a lot of military people who have wanted to buy homes and, and we start looking at their financial package and it's a mess, right? And it's it's a mess. It's almost not really something you can blame on them, right? They've just never been taught, but they've got collections for small things. Never knew they had a collection for $35 or something like that. 
and it's dragging their credit down. And you know, they got lates on on other credit obligations because they went on a TDY assignment or they got deployed somewhere and they thought automatically that um, you know, service members relief and stuff like that would just pop in when actually there's a couple things you got to do on your own to initiate it, right? There's there's just a lack of knowledge, lack of, lack of education, and it's it's having a detrimental effect for a lot of people on their finances. So um, what I want to do is be able to bring um, the Armed and Ready Foundation to different military bases and have presentations um, in these different categories. We'll have a, a local banker to talk about that stuff. You know, um, I, I'll talk about uh, mortgage side of things. We'll have, you know, local veteran real estate agent to talk about, you know, real estate and, and growing wealth there, um, financial advisors and, you know, that type of thing where they're, they're local to that area. So if someone does want to, you know, sit down with them and bend their ear for a little bit longer after the presentation or get a cup of coffee another day, they absolutely have access to them. Um, but someone who can actually just teach, right? We want people to be able to be financially successful in their own right. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to get rich, but we want everyone to be able to have solid finances and really manage things. And I think, um, you know, the combination of, you know, VA loan guy really out there teaching and presenting on the VA loan and obviously doing VA mortgages, purchases and refinances. That's the goal, right? That's my business. That's how I provide for my family. Um, but really is sharing that educational component because I want everyone that serves in the military to have good finances. I don't care if they finance with me on a mortgage. I would love them to, but they might, may not ever be a homeowner. That's okay. But I don't want them to have their credit dragged through the mud because they didn't understand some of the very basics or always have overdraft charges on their checking account because they just they have never been taught how to manage that. And I think there's a big gaping hole there. I think there's a huge opportunity to help a lot of people. And so, um, you know, we're hoping to have the Armed and Ready Foundation up and off the ground this calendar year in 2021. And um, and then we'll, we'll slowly start rolling it out and, and you know, work in the plan. So I want to thank you guys for watching my solo episode today on the Armed and Ready podcast. It's always great to come talk to you guys and share with you a little bit about what I'm doing. You know, it's not necessarily some other cool veteran story, but, you know, here's what I'm up to and uh, goals, projections, how I want to help. And um, I would love to serve you at, at any level that you're at, whether it's just, you know, some basic, you know, finance stuff or um, any sort of value that I can provide to you up into, hey, you know, I'd love to help you with a home loan. Um, please reach out to me. You can go to my website at valoanguy.us and I'd love to be your resource. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.